Welcome to this clinical law briefing. My name is Robert Wheeler. I work in Southampton as a children's surgeon and clinical lawyer and hope this podcast concerning a legal aspect of clinical life will interest you. This briefing relates to dangers that hospital buildings pose to incapacitated patients. Hospitals have a duty to prevent incapacitated patients from hurting themselves. In 2011, James Spearman, a 47-year-old man lacking capacity, was briefly left unattended in an emergency department. He tried to leave. Passing through an unsecured door, he ascended five flights of stairs onto a flat roof. Piling up the outdoor furniture that he found there, he climbed over an incurving 1.4-metre barrier. Around 22.15 at night, in the darkness, he fell to the courtyard below. As a child, he developed type 1 diabetes, and then in 1987, he suffered his first traumatic brain injury in his early 20s. This injury required many months of rehabilitation, his family explaining that as a result, James detests hospitals. That brain injury transformed him from an insurance broker to a person who lived a much restricted life, but with a significant personality change. At times, he had very limited self-awareness and empathy with those surrounding him. This paradox of independence whilst lacking awareness is illustrated by the following story. In 1990, he was able to fly to a shooting trip in Scotland, but was arrested in Terminal 1 Heathrow as he returned since he chose to clean his shotgun whilst waiting to go through border control. This episode illustrates how Mr Spearman could fix upon an objective that he was trying to achieve whilst remaining oblivious to risks that this would entail. On the night of his fall from the roof, James had been admitted with confusion after a hypoglycemic episode. Following his fall into the courtyard, he can no longer live independently, needing assistance with all aspects of daily living. Perhaps because of James's new and permanent utter dependency, a claim against the hospital was made by his family. The court found that nowhere on the route he had taken to the roof were there signs that access was unauthorised and all the doors were unlocked. The court found that the hospital should have provided direct nursing supervision of this confused patient and restricted his movements by locking doors. The lowest common denominator of the hospital's duty was to take reasonable steps to provide for the safety of vulnerable patients with a mental disorder. Failure to control access to the flat roof was singled out by the judge as a reasonably foreseeable cause of an otherwise avoidable accident. The defending hospital asked the court to consider whether Mr Spearman had contributed to the harm that he'd suffered by leaving the department and by failing to inform the staff he was going to leave or that he wanted to hurt himself. The judge made it crystal clear that he could not and would not attribute blame to the patient on these grounds any more than one would blame a young child for running out into the road. He found that neither this theoretical child nor the patient in question would appreciate the danger they put themselves into. In his words, otherwise that will be to penalise a person for being ill or of unsound mind, and the law does not do that. This judgment suggests that our duty to ensure that vulnerable patients do not come to harm on hospital premises may extend to a need to control and supervise more generally the movement of patients in areas to which they have access. If the judge's decision is followed by higher courts, this will have a significant effect on our practice. Either way, 
it can hardly be criticised on the grounds of common sense. I hope this was useful, but if you would prefer to read rather than to listen to me, by all means look at the Clinical Law website on the UHS webpage, or type Clinical Law into a search engine.